Hello, my name is Maurice Harker. What you're about to listen to is a clip from a live training session with either an individual or a group who are anxiously engaged in recovering their marriages. Please listen to several of the recordings in this podcast, and then, when you are ready, seriously consider attending the live weekly trainings from your home via webinar. My ability to provide enough individual and marriage therapy sessions has become very limited, so I created the marriage repair workshops so I could serve more people at a lower cost for you. So please, when you're ready, investigate your options at www.lazaruslectures.com. That's L-A-Z-A-R-U-S-L-E-C-T-U-R-E-S.com. I look forward to meeting you and to serving you well. I would love to play a part in decreasing your pain and increasing your happiness. See you soon. So we're at week 20. We've already gone through a description of what it's like to come out of a catastrophic situation, what it's like to try to rebuild things uh, for yourself to get your own foundation back underneath you through season four. When we start to consider going into season one, I want to re-show you the intimacy pyramid because I want you to see the shape of it. The biggest quadrant is the bottom section of verbal intimacy. It is not just us who wants to jump into the deeper levels. If you haven't noticed, wives often want to dive right into emotional intimacy and let's review the past. Let's fix the past. Let's talk about the past, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't have enough verbal intimacy, that conversation is going to crash hard and fast. It's just going to fall over and be a mess. I've got men who read some book somewhere that you can use physical intimacy as the glue to your relationship. And so they just get a bunch of glue pour it on a pile of toothpicks and wonder why it doesn't become anything. You go on, dude, you cannot fix a marriage by using physical intimacy. Okay. You must build the pyramid correctly. So gentlemen, this triangle represents the majority of the steps in season one. We must make sure that verbal intimacy is well established. And I think we are now on, let me look at the list here. We, when we first feel ready to enter season one, we are lecture 13, and so we're seven lectures into it at late weeks uh, 20. And I do believe we've got two more to go before we're into cognitive intimacy. So, brethren, this is like nine or ten lectures just to do verbal intimacy correctly before we can build anything else. And then you'll notice when we get to spiritual intimacy and physical intimacy, those are like quick psychological, spiritual, physical, and we're through the intimacy triangle. So brethren, do not get impatient. That was, um, I think that's found in more than one place in the lectures. It's tucked in several of the lessons. So brethren, today we're going to talk about the element of emote or of uh, verbal intimacy called protecting sensitive systems. All right. I'm trying to review all the different personalities and backgrounds of those who are here, but please walk with me. Let's pretend as a team, we have been assigned by the military to create something that is, will help us detect the enemy better. Let's make it a little easier on ourselves by going back in time and just kind of walking through some of what we've seen with history. If we think about the difference in 
discernment technology or identifying the enemy resources or technology starting in 1900? What types of things has our military come up with since the year 1900? I'm not an exact historian, so let's plus or minus a few years on that. What did the intelligent men come up with since 1900 to improve our ability to see and identify the enemy? Give me some examples, brethren, either type them in or verbalize them. What have we discovered or found that will help us be more accurate at identifying the enemy? We have radar, sonar. Okay, radar is the thing that's in the sky or sonars underwater. All right. What other things have we invented or discovered? Satellite imaging. Thank you. All right. A few more, please. Wiretapping, aerial view. How about motion detectors? Shannon, what do you policemen use on a regular basis to detect things? Intel, how do you gather the intel? What do we use? What tools are used to intel? Phone taps, thermal imaging? You You got drones. Drones. All right. Now, brethren, let's talk science for a second. In order for something to be successfully sensitive, is it possible that the instruments have an element of fragileness to them? For something to have significant sensitivity, is there a probability that there is some fragility to it? Is that logical? So would it be appropriate to say that part of being a developer of sensitive instruments is you must also develop a protection system for those instruments? All right. You have to make sure the instrument doesn't get easily broken. What if you have a very delicate instrument for thermal imaging, but every time you move it, it breaks? How useful is that? How about a drone that is easily broken? Great. Thank you for developing something that is very helpful and it lasts for 37 seconds and then it's broken and doesn't help us anymore. So would it be logical that uh, sensory systems are fragile. Telescopes, microscopes, everything. I, m- I remember um, when my brother loaned me his electric surveying equipment. Okay, he's all, dude, don't break it. I'm all, why you got to get all weird about it? He's all, it's expensive and it's sensitive. It's got, you got to make sure it doesn't break. And then when I got it, it's got this metal shell around everything that is important. And it's got this massive protection system around it. Is it normal to have significant protection? Now, is it not true that you have to strategize ways to create a protection system? I'm thinking about these little fancy little wristy-watchy things. Is it not true that there's some well-paid people who are constantly looking for ways for it to be more sensitive? All right. Let's say they succeed at it, and then they dip it in water, and it fries. Now, Is it not true that there's an equal amount of time spent on the protection research as well as the sensitivity research? Am I convincing everybody of this concept? Now, I have some patience and some compassion for those of you men who are raised with me here in America. Can we all agree that whoever trained us to be men completely under-trained us on how to be protectors of the sensitive systems of women. I have yet to find a movie or a TV show yet that's really good at teaching how to be a protector of women. And if you have an equality pornography history, 
they probably didn't teach much about protecting sensitive women either. Anybody find good porn out there that teaches you how to be sensitive towards women's psychology? So the first time you hurt a woman, did it surprise you? I was actually talking to a woman earlier, and she turned quickly to the concept of gaslighting when she says, what you did hurt me. And he's all, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's all, now you're gaslighting me because you don't know what I'm talking about. And he's all, now I don't even know what you're talking about with gaslighting. And she's all, are you just going to hurt me forever? And he's all, oh my gosh. I feel like one of those three stooges with a two by four on his shoulders. And all I'm doing is looking around and everyone's acting like I'm hitting them in the head. Well, you are. So brethren, do we just tell them this? You know what? If you're going to get hurt all the time, you probably just need to stay away from me. But for some reason, we like these women to be around us. Now, let's try a few ideas that actually probably are not great ideas. Here's one. When I married you, wife, it was not my intention for you to actually be a sensitive person. I was not looking for a wife with sensitivities. Anyone want to try that one? One that's a little closer to home, I wasn't expecting you to be this sensitive. Is that a little closer to the truth? Now, when I talked to God about my wife's sensitivities, I was trying to sneak in a request to decrease her sensitivities. Can we tone it down a little bit? Okay, does it really need to be that sensitive? You have just finished listening to another principle that is one of many that you will find in a special class that I've put together called the Marriage Repair Workshops and the Lazarus Lectures. This is a compilation of principles that I have pulled from my years of training, study, and therapeutic experience designed to give you the tools, the vision, the ideas, everything that is necessary to take a relationship that has experienced catastrophic levels of unpleasantness and falling apart and rebuild it almost as if raising it from the dead. Please follow the links and attend at least one of our marriage repair workshops so that you can get a feel for what you will learn and get your attachment to the multimedia classroom that holds videos, audios, articles from me and several other specialists that we call the Lazarus Lectures, a 40 lesson series building from one principle to another so that you can discover what is necessary to pull off a miracle in your relationship. I hope you'll find great value in this. I hope those of you who find yourselves unable to afford the thousands of dollars necessary to attend a marriage therapist, especially one that's really good and is not as available, as we would like therapists to be. Please, please study this material in the Lazarus Lectures and attend the Marriage Repair Workshops so that we can help you get things back to the way you want them. We'll see you then.